0: This podcast is a part of the Garnet Media Group podcast network. Garnet Media Group is a partnership between student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcast and other student work on garnetmedia.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of 1801 Live. My name is Hannah White and I serve as the host of this podcast that is put on um, thankfully by Garnet Media Group in partnership with student government but today we have some amazing guests here um, from the Civic Leadership Education Action Team and we're just going to talk about resilience as well as post-election opportunities for students but before we dive into the topic at hand I would just like for all um, of our guests to introduce themselves so we have a few students and then um, Carly from the Leadership and Service Center. And so for the students, if you could tell me a little bit about yourself as far as name, year major, um, how you got involved with CLEAT and the length of time that you've been with CLEAT. And of course, Carly, you can make your introduction cater to you.
1: Yeah, I can go first. Um, thank you so much for having us. My name is Emily Zeidman and I'm a senior studying political science and Spanish. Um, I actually joined CLEAT my sophomore year because of the opportunity it allows for nonpartisan. Political involvement. Obviously, coming from a political science background, there's a lot of different ways within the within the department to get involved in a more partisan way. But I was really attracted to Cleat because of the nonpartisan focus, and I've really enjoyed my experiences so far.
2: Absolutely. So hey y'all, I'm Nancy Jones. I am a senior majoring in international business and economics. And I, like Emily, actually got involved with Cleat my sophomore year, the end of my sophomore year. And It presented a similar opportunity for me. I was just extremely alarmed by kind of the polarization of our political climate and also by how hard it was for people to really educate themselves and do that well. And I thought that it was really important to empower people to make their own decisions about how to engage in politics and what that meant for them. And Cleat was by far the best way that I found on campus to do that. So that is um, the reason that I'm here today.
3: Awesome. Hey, everyone. Thank you, Hannah. Always a pleasure working with Student Government and Garnet Media Group. Love you guys. So my name is Carly Zaire. I'm a staff member in Leadership and Service Center, but my title is Coordinator for Service and Civic Engagement, so I do a variety of different initiatives, both related to serving the local community in Columbia, as well as civic engagement events as well. I work with these two lovely folks on nonpartisan issues Um, a little bit about cleat it's year-round nonpartisan and student-led so these ladies that you're listening to do the bulk of the work along with others on a regular basis from a nonpartisan perspective and really aiming to get students involved in civic engagement year-round this happens to be an election year so the engagement was higher than it normally is but our goal is to really Tap into those different populations and have them engaged with us throughout the whole season of elections and just our democracy in general. So happy to be
0: here. Perfect, I love it. And just out of curiosity, um, Emily and Nancy, could you tell me a little bit more about how did you learn or find out about CLEED? So I know that once you realized that this was a great method for you to be able to um, be civically engaged, advocate for civic engagement for the student body in a nonpartisan way, but what Um, led you to find out more or learn about what CLEAT was?
1: Yeah, I can go first. Um, I have been involved with the leadership and service center um, from the community service end of things. And so um, the good thing about the LSC that we'll talk about later is they really do collaborate with all of their programs. And so I learned about CLEAT through that position and it sounded like another opportunity I was interested in. And so I joined um, after serving as a community service ambassador the bulk of my sophomore year.
2: So uh, my journey to cleat was a little more roundabout my one of my best friends alex stevens worked at the lsc and so we spent a lot of time there just doing work um and i got to know their programs just through really osmosis um and cleat was again one of those that i just found out about um and was very intrigued by the idea of and ended up applying and going through the interview process and ended up here so um it's been even better than i expected that it could have been but yeah it was a little less direct than Emily's path.
0: Perfect. And I know, Nancy, you specifically mentioned in your reasoning about how um, high and intense the political climate can be. And so especially this year, um, I feel as just even talking to different students, um, this year more, more apparent than many former years, I feel as if many students have been encouraged and more interested to become civically engaged, um, probably due to the climate that we're in. So, you know, we're going through a global pandemic right now. And with just even that um, variable, it affects really everything about life. So how we view education, whether it's college, whether if we have younger brothers and sisters, one day they're virtual, the next day they're going to public school, um, our, our jobs, our parents' jobs, just everything has now changed. And so um, understanding, or especially students, and I feel like even me, I can speak for myself, I wanted to learn more about how I can become more civically engaged, or really where, um, from me utilizing my vote, how it affects every every other decision that's being made. And I mean, that I know I talked about the pandemic, but even right now, it's November 16th, and it's quite hot outside, guys. And so I'm like, hmm, global warming that's a thing like how does that affect everything and so I feel like more than ever I've become very analytical about how everything is attached or aligned but just wanted to get a few of your thoughts about specifically you getting involved with CLEED how you are able to advocate for students to practice civic engagement in a nonpartisan way do not know or do not need to know exactly which way they lie but just practicing in the importance of how their civic engagement can go and attribute towards the outcomes that happen. Absolutely so I think the one of the really great things
2: about the situation and honestly the crisis crises that we find ourselves in right now is exactly how much people have started to understand that they can exercise their voice and have power through voting and through you know engaging in those civic activities Um, and so that has led to people being a lot more interested A lot more active, you know. We won't see the numbers for another year, but I'm anticipating basically record turnout here at University of South Carolina in terms of voter registration and voter participation, and so that has been phenomenal to see. And like you said, you know, we're a nonpartisan organization, so we have no clue of the students we've registered, like which ones consider themselves Democrats and which ones consider themselves Republicans and which ones don't identify. Right? Um, That's not what we're about but I think across the board, we'll see higher engagement and those numbers rise. And so I think that is really important. And, and the work that we do can be nonpartisan, because like the foundation of our democracy is that, um, you know, people can advocate for themselves, right, and people know what they need best. And, um, you know, so I think that when you it's just making an informed decision. So what, what are the options that are out there for me? What are the options that are out there for my community? And um, you know, of those, depending on my values and what matters to me, which ones do I think are best, right? So it's literally, it comes back to, and we talked a lot, a lot about this and something that I think we'll touch later on, um, which is a voting one-on-one presentation that we did. We talked a lot about like, Media bias and media literacy, and what does it mean to stay informed um and you know consume kind of both sides of the media, especially throughout this election cycle, which we've seen be so polarized, and that is something that you know happens on both sides, like both sides like to paint themselves as the angel as opposed to the demon, and so it's really important to know that um and what being nonpartisan lets us say to people is you know check your facts, right? And, and make sure that you're not just listening to a really good friend who's super smart, but is parroting something that they got from somewhere else. And it's like a whole big game of telephone. So I think it's um, been important to basically channel the really phenomenal rise and engagement that we've seen into something that has been productive. For sure. And I think another thing that we've been working on this year is we've seen a lot of students who are
1: really fired up about the big attention grabbing races like the presidential race. But we've also done part of our programming in, like the voting 101 presentation that Nancy mentioned about the importance of local races, especially um, because I think it's been really salient or salient, excuse me to people um, who are interested in things like criminal justice policy or local COVID policies. I think that teaching students about the importance of these local offices and how they affect our day-to-day lives has also been something that we aim to do this year. And so we did it by creating this elected officials quiz that would help test students' knowledge of local officials and hopefully teach them about positions that they may have not even known were elected positions in the first place. I love that.
0: And overall, I know we're kind of coming to a closing with this election season, but just um, now I feel like the big topic at hand is since we've done, and you guys specifically have done such an amazing job with getting specifically our student body engaged, more aware about how important it is to be civically engaged, um, now understanding the importance of what what's next and so i feel like we can't now just rely i voted that's it it's over like there's still work to be done you know they have now whoever is in position now they have to fulfill the promises that they've made and then also what are we going to do to keep them on their toes but also as individuals how can we contribute more than just one day every for for many students that think every four years really there's elections every year but you know um just one day out of the year voting and then that's all that's all that they can do or that's all that they can be done and so do you guys have anything as far as how can students change their mindset and perspective to get a more diverse mindset about what civic engagement entails absolutely so
2: I think just riffing off of what Emily said the local elections are a starting point for that, right? Because they you know, happen every so often, but on a much more frequent basis than presidential elections, Senate, um, House of Representatives. And so getting people engaged with and educated about who are running in those races when they happen, getting them to go vote um, is part of just that reoccurring kind of engagement on a civic level. But I think also a really big push that we've been um, working on recently and we actually had a really, really cool um, workshop for last week, is getting people to understand that their voice matters all the time. And it matters to representatives and to officials um, and for the public at large. So we did um, a workshop that, among other things, talked about how to write like letters to the editor for newspapers. So how to express your opinion on a topic that doesn't necessarily just affect you but the wider community or if you know I have a friend whose mom wrote kind of a letter to the editor in response to the editorial board opinion piece Um, and so if you have kind of an opposing view of something that is happening just you know people are very much interested in what you have to say and I think we've also recently lost sight of the fact that politicians are ultimately responsible and answer to the people and so engaging all the time to remind them of that and remember and make them understand where their constituent stake is, is a hugely important thing um, and responsibility and power that happens 24-7, 365.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of times it can be intimidated. I think it's easy to hear People say that, oh, you can get involved by calling your local office. But I think in general, we're a generation who doesn't love like talking on the phone. <laughs> and so we've been um, designing materials that encourage people about the best ways that they can find their local elected officials and then talk to them about the issues that they're passionate about, even though it is really intimidating. And like Nancy said, we held the media literacy panel last week to talk about Letters to the Editor, which is another um, pretty popular avenue. And then just in general, like Nancy mentioned, emphasizing that presidential elections aren't the only elections that happen. And there are a lot of other roles out there that affect a lot of the policies that matter to students.
0: Absolutely, I totally agree. And then um, just before we get into more about what you all do and what you all have done this past year in order to increase civic engagement among the student body, just curious specifically um, for Nancy, I know that you mentioned IB, so in the Moore School, but very passionate about civic engagement within involved within CLE, I feel um, similar to the LSC and specifically CLE and student government, there's oftentimes a lot of political science majors and criminal justice majors, which amazing, but also me, I'm also in DARLA. And so just do you guys, and this is just a count of curiosity, do you guys ever have to be concerned about how to really engage students that aren't on that traditional poli side? Criminal justice path? Are there ways that you use other resources or departments in order to engage students or get them to become aware? of this, it's not just I guess one certain individual path, like policy, Oh, you got you got all of that for everyone. Like that's not how this works. Everyone has a say, and so I was just wondering or curious about: Are there specifically like targeted tactics on how you guys engage? the whole student body or get kind of some type of feedback from them just out of curiosity. Maybe we can use them for student government as well.
2: <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I think we are probably guilty of abusing like the policy sci but <laughs> um, there's a lot of what we do um, in terms of like the voting 101 presentation where we present to classes, um, deliberations where we go into university 101 classes. A lot of what we do is based on the networks that we have and so I think it's actually really, really important that we have that diversity of majors within cleat so that we are able to reach the whole student body right um, because I am, you know, I have those contacts in the business school where. Emily does not and she has the contacts in the poli um department where I don't right, but I think um, some of the methods that we use to really get our information out the entire student body are um the email chains right like you have the honors one you have the national fellowships and scholar programs one you have the one that goes out to the whole student body um, i was featured on that one for to highlight the fact that students could take the entirety of election day to go vote um, when they did their specific email on you know the importance of voting a couple, couple weeks ago gosh that seems like so much longer ago now um, and so i think it's just really being intentional about the people That we reach out to and making sure that we don't get pigeonholed into kind of the ones we know who are most receptive because they're also typically um the ones who are already the most educated and not necessarily the ones who need um kind of our services or our guidance the most but there's just such incredible potential and so many people who are passionate and want to be engaged you know in every major on campus and that's something that we have definitely um had to be very intentional about growing in terms of networks. But the nice thing is that once you have those, and you have those people who, and those professors that you can comp, you know, you have that relationship with that you can, it's like neurons, like the path is there, so. Yeah, I don't know how much I can answer
1: coming from a poli-sci background, but um, just from my experience doing things like tabling and talking to students that come from a variety of majors, I think that a really helpful um, tool to get people to realize the importance of civic engagement is to figure out what issues specifically they care about, because no matter what major someone is, they have some issue they care about that's affected by government, and then just demonstrating to them, obviously, in a nonpartisan way, how local, federal, state-level officials all have an impact on the area that they're passionate about, that they want to work in, and helping them realize the connection between what they do and, and what we do, because that connection is always there. It's just a matter of helping them realize it.
0: Perfect. And say so now. I just want to first give a shout. I know that you guys mentioned a little bit like drops and tidbits of voting one on one presentations, but that's just like surface level of all that you guys have been able to do. So we can um, start with one. I know eighteen oh one challenge um, student government was heavily involved with, but if one of you guys could just explain that initiative exactly all that went in it, um, especially during a pandemic, trying to get students to understand the importance of voting and registering, and I believe this year, more than any other year, probably the most difficult to navigate and explain how to register, how to get your ballot in, so on and so forth, and so if you guys could just explain the 1801 challenge.
1: Yeah, so it's appropriately named for this podcast, but we started this year the 1801 challenge, which was just our initiative to register. 1,801 students by October 31st um, through our TurboVote link, which is the website that we use to register new voters and to track how many that register. I think Carly might have better numbers specifically on the amount of students that we registered than I would. But like you mentioned, it definitely was a challenge because in past years, in like the 2018 midterms, a lot of our um, engagement strategies involved talking to people in person, tabling on Green Street, handing things out. And so this year, we definitely had to adapt Um, I'm sure you guys have noticed if you use Garden Gate, but we have what we call our passive link that encourages people to remind to vote. And then we did do some tabling this week for National Voter Registration Day and National Voter Education Week using socially distanced measures and QR codes that people could use digitally rather than anything that would involve um, breaking safety guidelines.
3: Yeah, so I think our numbers ended up being a little bit under 1801 in terms of what we got from our TurboVote link, but I'm super confident in saying we that more U of SC students registered this year than just that number. That was just who specifically tapped into our QR codes um, and student governments work and stuff like that. Um, but we know That there's a variety of different student organizations on campus that use their national codes or are just filling it out on paper and delivering it in person so like Nancy said, unfortunately, it takes a year to get our actual data back in terms of how many U of SC students were registered and how many showed up to the polls, but we'll have that information next year but I'm confident saying it was much higher than that in general. Um, In addition to what some of the things Emily mentioned. We did the typical like presenting to student organizations that student government is very well aware of with elections and stuff like that, but mostly in a Zoom platform method. So we'd pop on to Zoom for the first couple of minutes of a student organization meeting and give our pitch and just really tried to meet the students where they were at in terms of what platforms are you on? We know we're in a virtual world and just trying to tap into people that way and get our message across. So I definitely think we did the best we absolutely could given all the circumstances this year. Um, And I was personally really impressed with The turnout that I saw not only for students registering, but even the like attention that they gave it that day for election day and leading up to it with early voting was really exciting to see our students rally in that sense. Yeah. And
2: I also want to highlight just, you know, 1801 was our specific voter registration challenge that we had and our goal for that. But we were also doing a lot of work to help people, you know, find their polling places if if they were going to go vote in person and request an absentee ballot and, you know, figure out how to fill out their absentee ballot and send it back um you know that voting 101 presentation that we did was had a very significant section that was about like the challenges and the barriers that college students face when they when it comes to voting so you know not just absentee voting but also in-person voting um and it comes down to like things like stamps and you know transportation to polling places and all of that and so we were very strategic about setting up you know okay these are the barriers that the most common barriers and here are like ready-made solutions for you um and then also yeah the qr codes we uh, i i lugged the qr codes from russell house all the way to capstone for an event once so i can definitely say that those have been um fantastic not just for registration but also the absentee and the polling um because those are another little bit of passive thing right like we'd leave them outside the lsc and people would come by and see it and you know register request their ballot and so I think that's probably something we'll continue to do. We're actually getting buttons made, which is super exciting. Emily designed them; she did a killer job. Um, that has a QR code on it. That is, you know, you can put it on your backpack and be a walking, talking, like advertisement for voter registration every single day of the year. Um, but yeah, so it the cool thing about this semester has been it's been really challenging, but it's also forced us to innovate and I, I think in that sense reach people that we might not have otherwise.
0: I love that. And I am going to need an immediate um, update of when those buttons come in because I'm going to be the first in line to get one. That is so cool. Um, But I also know, and I honestly know this because, in I'm going to put them on the spot, but in our exec group chat, we were all debating on who was going to get the higher grade on the quiz that you guys did. So if you guys could explain the local uh, BuzzFeed quiz, we were, it was high intense competition that day of who knew the best and knew the most.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I worked on making that with a couple other members and basically we um, looked at past examples of ballots in Richland and Lexington counties to see what kind of local positions um, would be available and tried to test. Um, We created a BuzzFeed quiz um, to test how how, (laughs) um, how many of these positions you could match to the description of the positions or the kinds of policy they create. And so I remember... Um, working the table at one of our voter registration positions, we also had a physical manifestation in this quiz. And I was explaining to someone how, like, county coroners are elected positions, which someone had had never known because you think that—I mean, it differs from county to county, of course—but it's not positions that receive a lot of attention in the media or races like Senate, Congress, um, and presidential positions do. So we created this quiz to see how many people could match these positions that often have a really big effect on people's lives. I remember one of them is district attorney, which sets a lot of criminal justice policy for accounting. And so these are really, really important positions, but people tend not to know about them. And so we created this quiz and then posted it on social media accounts and then in person at our tabling events to help raise awareness of these local positions.
2: And then of course we bribed college kids because that's what you do when you want college kids to engage. And so if you got like above a certain percentage um correct which I love that y'all were so competitive about that that's fantastic um then you could come in you could send your results to I think the LSE Instagram and then come in and pick up like some cleat swag so it was um bribery and then also like shameless self-promotion because now whatever they have they just you know rep cleat everywhere they go so <laughs> we it was a win-win situation but yeah no I took the quiz And it was definitely, you know, one of those things where you're like, wow, I thought I knew a lot more than I actually did, right? Even working as a CLEEP member. Um, And so I think it was very eye-opening for pretty much everybody who took it to kind of understand there's still a lot more out there, even though I've engaged this so much
0: up until this point for me to learn. For sure. and. I just wanted to ask about, and I don't know if you all know, but just the history of CLEAT and the initiatives that you guys have tried in the past, um, thinking forward about like how to move forward. I know you're talking about the buttons, but are, are there any initiatives that you guys are excited about, whether it's bringing them back or because of this year, um, wanting to create new ones? Is there any ideas in the works that you guys have for future initiatives?
1: Yeah, I can start off. I know, it, um, especially this fall semester, a lot of the time surrounding election, most of our programming tends to be focused on voter re- registration and engagement specifically. But my favorite part of what we do as an organization are um, deliberative discussions where we go to classrooms and break down a controversial political issue in a way that reflects deliberative democracy, which is a specific type of discussions that focuses more on what people have in common and our values and how those apply to issues. And so I've had a really good experience um, leading these deliberative discussions in like U101 classes about topics like free speech on college campuses. And I'm excited to do more of them in the spring.
2: Absolutely, no, I completely agree with Emily. I think there's so much value in the deliberations that we do. And I'm very, very excited to continue those. Um, Spring does give us a little bit of a breath of fresh air in terms of being able to branch out. One thing that we did last year um, was basically a speaker series on diversity in politics and focus specifically on, you know, women in politics and minorities in politics and what are the barriers to that and, you know, why do we not have more diverse representation? How do we fix that? What does that look like? Um, and so that's something that I'm really interested in seeing us continue to engage with, whether that's bringing more speakers to campus. Um, we've also screened movies before. Um, and so and to just kind of engage people in discussion around the topic and awareness of the topic. And so I think that is probably also going to be on the table for the spring um, in definitely some shape, form, or fashion.
0: And that that brings me into just initiatives in its entirety. I know that a lot of initiatives come out of CLEAT, but also CLEAT is under the Leadership and Service Center. And so you do not have to get all every opportunity from CLEAT, but there's also so many more Um, opportunities for students to get involved, whether it's through community service or just any other initiative. So can you all share a little bit about what the Leadership and Service Center has to um, offer um, upcoming opportunities for students and how they can get involved in the local community now?
1: Yeah, I can go. I think this is also a really good way for people to get involved in politics in a specific way if they have a specific issue they're interested in. So like I mentioned at the top with the episode, I actually got involved with CLEAT um, after serving as a community service ambassador with the LSC, and so I definitely have a community service focus, and I think that the LSC and the Department of Student Life has a lot, a lot of resources to direct students who are interested in community service to organizations in Columbia um, that they can work with, and so specifically, as always, there's a shout out to GarnetGate um, There's tons of opportunities there. And then I think Carly, I might be wrong on this, but also they released a community partner map this year of community service organizations that have worked with the university before that students can connect with in the future. And I would really recommend that to any student who's looking for community service opportunities, whether they need service hours or they're looking for a way to get involved with a specific area of interest.
2: Yeah, I think Emily has a great point. You know, you can get really, really involved in service through organizations specifically on campus, or you can you know, use the tools that you have on campus to get involved with organizations that are bigger than campus and bigger than, um, yeah, maybe even Columbia, you know? But so in terms of specific service things, I know the LSE has alternative breaks, service Saturdays, um, the specific MLK day of service. There's the big event in the spring, which is basically, I think, like a service Saturday on steroids. Carly, is that right? Okay, sweet um and I specifically so I serve double duty I'm executive director of Gamecock Pantry and so we do a ton of stuff that um focuses specifically on food insecurity and serving Gamecocks so we're kind of that more of that microcosm than any outward facing organization but there are just so many different ways that you can get involved and civic engagement takes so many different forms right because um the different structures within your community, the different inequalities, you know, the different needs that exist, um, the way that you choose to engage with them, they all loop back to how your community works and is represented and the policy decisions that are made. Um, and so finding, I mean, I really, really encourage people to, to try things that are new to them to really find what their passion is, what their niche is, because you don't have to, you know, solve every single one of the world's problems, right? You can be really impassionate and really fo- informed and really engaged with one or two issues or a few issues um, and make that how you engage with a lot of the civic um, kind of structure on a more personal level outside of voting. So definitely um, the LSE just has phenomenal resources, whether you wanna learn a little bit more about the opportunities that come your way or whether you're ready to get involved.
0: And then just to go off of that, and I would like to hear both of your perspectives as far as how has these opportunities changed because of the pandemic? So for you, Nancy, Gamecock Pantry, being over the Gamecock Pantry, how has that changed? I bet many students right now need this resource more than ever, but also making sure because of health precautions, like. Not too many people touch that can of whatever tomato soup or, you know, however it may be. So how have you all had to transition? I know um, I know that, Emily, you were talking about you being a Service Saturday leader or a community service leader at one point. So how just has all of that changed during the pandemic? And do you all still believe, surely you do, but that there are still ways to serve to give back no matter the circumstances that we are facing right now?
1: Yeah, it's really tricky because I feel like um, community service is needed more than ever right now because of the economic consequences of the pandemic, etc. Um, but it's also harder to serve just because of the safety requirements and the number of people that are required. And so I think that Service Saturday and the way the LSC has been leading that has been really instructive about how you can safely serve even in groups. So my community service organization participated just this weekend. Um, in the Saluda Riverfront Park. And the LSC does a really great job of making sure that that you're with a socially distanced group. Everyone is wearing masks. Um, The people who are leading the site have instructions about how to maintain um, university policy. And so I think that that's definitely an example of a university sponsored service event. You can serve with with a small group of people in an organization or even just your friends um, and help the community in a way that also um, is working with the university. And I'm
2: sure Nancy can talk more about the Gamecock Pantry specifically. No, absolutely. I think that one thing that it's important to remember is that it's not just the logistics of all of these things that have changed, it's the management and everything that goes on behind the scenes, right? Like all four of us are sitting here tonight and we're doing this podcast over Zoom. We are not in a room together. Um, And any of the meetings that we have for Cleet, any of the meetings that I run for Gamecock Pantry, you know, we're not actually in a room together. I actually met one of my exec members last Friday for the first time in person. And I've been, I've seen him every single week, like, you know, 8 a.m. sharp on Fridays and was kind of shook by the fact that I, we had just met face-to-face last week for the first time. So, um, but in terms of running Pack pantry specifically, it's been a real balancing act to try and figure out, okay, obviously safety of our clients, safety of our volunteers comes first but how do we still stay true to our mission? And what does our mission look like in given these constraints? So Gingcroft Pantry specifically is in a tiny physical space down in the McBride Quadrangle A. And that means that, you know, we've had to limit the amount of people who can come in to just two people at a time and have only one volunteer there at a time. And so um, that obviously doesn't go or lend itself well to serving the increased number of students, faculty, and staff who require our services during this pandemic. And so we've literally completely changed our model and now have pickup sites in addition to the physical pantry itself at Darla Moore at um, Methodist Student Network and at the Center for Health and Well-Being. So it's just been a lesson in getting creative um, and you know, washing your hands and wearing a mask and sanitizing all the different services. but. Um, I think the biggest part has been how do you reach people online because there's so much noise, and social media is a is a fantastic tool, but um, engagement on social media is is something that can be hard to gain traction on, and so um, it's that's probably been the hardest thing is the transition to not. Um, online things for, for my management team in particular, but how do we best reach our audience and the people who might need our services and educate specifically about like food insecurity um, in this time when people are maybe checked out or there's they can't filter through everything that they're seeing. So that's been a challenge that we haven't necessarily found the answer to yet, um, but one that I think will also help us in the future as we continue to adapt.
0: I definitely can relate when it comes to now two people only two people can be in the Carolina closet at one time that's still stretching it a little bit I don't know if any of you all have been to the Carolina closet it really is a corner of a little room so you know it's stretching it thin um, but trying to navigate what works as far as engaging students what doesn't work right now I don't know if you guys can attest to as well but Um, it's, it's, it's becoming a little bit more difficult, which is understandable. A lot of students are becoming Zoom fatigued and they're tired of looking at a screen to have some type of interaction with another human. Um, and so just trying to navigate that, um, has also been the million dollar question for, uh, me and other student leaders as well. But, and I know that you guys both mentioned just aspects of how you've had to be creative during this time, things that you're still trying to figure out, but overall just wanting to, learn a little bit more about how you feel you have grown and developed as a leader especially during this time I know like if you're anything like me you do have days you come home and you're like oh my goodness like I got through today but like there's a lot more days that are after this like and you know you got to keep going and so but also you have those epiphany moments where you sit down and it's like I I'm still making it like I'm here and I've learned and you know stuff might not have went the way that I thought it was going to go, but I'm okay. It worked out. And now I know that I can use this platform that I never heard of six months ago and, you know, still have the same outcome. And so just wanting to learn a little bit more about your testimonies and how you have grown as leaders, um, the good, bad, and ugly, but still how you strive to take these opportunities and use them for even your careers in like the, paths and trajectories that you're planning to um, go on even after college.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think something that's on everyone's mind this semester, first and foremost, is prioritizing mental health just as students and student leaders. And so I wanted to give a quick shout out to the student health services and the offerings that they have this semester for students who are facing the mental repercussions of quarantine and an unusual semester. I know that things like virtual yoga meditation individual and group counseling and a variety of other ways that you can talk to someone if you are struggling is really important, especially as final week um, starts approaching and people are facing COVID-related stress, election-related stress, all of these things compounding on one another. I think that the best thing that we can do in order to successfully lead others is first and foremost, take care of ourselves, our academics, um, before we reach these other things. And like everyone here has talked about, I think that um, just in general, general, once you have your self-care routine and and a check on your mental health. It's really an exercise in flexibility and understanding that um, things may not look like they have in past semesters, but that's not a reflection of their success or anything that has to do with you. You're doing the best with the semester that you can. And um, as a leader, you should empower other people to feel that same way within your organization. So as a leader of a community service organization, similarly, um, our semester has been really different. We haven't really been able to do the kinds of in-person events um, that we used to. For example, we used to do a lot of um, Uh, like food packing events where we'd meet with a large group of people and pack meals to send to other countries. And so um, obviously we can't do that kind of thing now. And it's just a matter of reacting to the circumstances that we are in and making sure that we don't feel like we're doing nothing just because what we're doing looks different than it has in past semesters.
2: Yeah, no. And I think Emily really touched on one of the main things that I've tried to be mindful of during this pandemic and that I will certainly be continuing to incorporate into my leadership from here on out, which is just leading with compassion, you know, understanding that you have to meet people where they are and that people handle things differently, especially. So, you know, somebody might have a million things going on and be totally fine. And somebody else might be really struggling with one or two. And that is um, not that the person, the latter person is less capable or, you know, worse than the first one at all. It's just, you know, you really have to be understanding Um, and give people grace, I think. So that, um, you know, ties into a lot of the flexibility and the creativity. And um, I think also the biggest lesson for me has been how explicit communication has to be when you're suddenly completely virtual, you know, Um, like reading facial expressions is hard and people don't often... Speak up as much as they might in a real meeting. You don't have those minutes of time in between where somebody can grab you and pull you aside and say, hey, um, you know, I was thinking about this or, or what do you think about this? And so um, just making it clear what your expectations are, um, clarifying with people where there even might be an, under, be, be an understanding, and then also um, verbalizing feelings, right? So, like, hey, this is what. I'm thinking what I'm doing and here's why and here's how I feel about it. And so then people can kind of meet you where you are as well. So um, that's been actually something I started to learn it a little bit over the summer. I interned with McKinsey and um, one of their practices is just after meetings um, and like at the beginning of the weeks to send recaps of like, okay, here's a snapshot in time of where we are. Here's what we're prioritizing for the week, kind of some to do's. Um, And so I've started sending those after my Gamecock Pantry meetings on Friday mornings, and it's really given all of us a fantastic touchstone in terms of, okay, like, this is what we've accomplished, because I think it's also extraordinarily important to take pride in the things that you have done and done well, um, especially amidst adversity. And then here's where we're headed, and that also gives, like, the clear delineation of, you have this and I have this, and so um, being very explicit about communicating things and communicating feelings up front has been the biggest part of adaptable leadership through this pandemic for me.
0: And to that point, both of you guys' points about like just well-being, everyone has a different meter as far as what they can handle right now. And also another thing that I've learned is even as a leader, um, just being empathetic of others. And so even on the surface, I've never seen it more than now, as far as on the surface, we all know that we're going through things like it's it's clear, like a pandemic is going, you're going through things, but that's just surface level, like you can already assume right now, it's not one, it's not at 100% because, you know, of a pandemic, we're just trying to figure out how to live during this time. But then adding on top of who knows like what you're going through. I know I talk to my staff and of course, you have the pep talks and the kumbayas, but at the end of the day, like I, we, I will never know exactly all that each of my staff members have to go through on top of dealing with all of this uncertainty. So making sure that I check in on them with small texts, making sure that they're appreciated um, and just making sure that they know that I'm there as a friend, but specifically to Um, resources I'll do a shameless plug for one that student government just did listeners on call and so that's an app that students can download now and they can simply um, download and in minutes be on a call with an individual and just talk about anything and everything that's on their mind and it's um, individuals on the other side of the call that are trained to be basically professional listeners and so Um, I have, I'm excited to use it. I have not, I've downloaded the app, but I haven't used my call yet. Um, But I'm very, very excited to just, um, I know oftentimes you just want someone to listen. You're not looking for a solution. Maybe there's not a solution at the time, but you just want someone to be there to listen. And so that is an initiative and an app that just was launched this past week, but also um, a resource that comes out of the um, health service center is basically um, the mindfulness the mindfulness training so now they're virtual I used to do them believe it or not last year before COVID and so I would actually go into the room it's called the space and get my yoga mat set up in between class like that was my time the dog would come in I'll pet the dog and then be ready be zen before I go to class but now of course um, you can still go to the space but they don't do the actual classes in that space in order to make them more accessible to all students and so I tune in virtually and do a quick it's 20 minutes tops, um, but it just reminds you to breathe, calm down, and just relax your mind before you take on the day, and so they have them all throughout the day, and I sometimes will just hop on um, and utilize those, but I don't know if any of you guys have used one of the resources that are provided by the university. Um, If so, please share your uh, testimony of what you like, or even if you have some type of method that you use that's not connected to the university of how you keep your peace or maintain um, well-being throughout this time.
1: Yeah, I don't do this, but I have a lot of friends who actually are big proponents of the university's yoga programs. I think that especially in a semester where we're spending a lot of time inside, anything that's physical and gets you moving is a good way to practice mindfulness, breathing exercises and things like that, but also um, just have some physical activity for when you're sitting at your computer doing Zoom classes all day. So I can definitely attest to those.
2: So I haven't done any of the the on campus mindfulness or um, programs. I did do I did catch a yoga class this past weekend though, and that was much much needed. Uh, I personally meditate with the Headspace app, so I think that's gotten a lot of like cult attention, um, but it has been really really useful, especially for those times you know during the pandemic when your mind is racing or you can't shut your brain off or that kind of thing. Um, but then also something that's helped me is just getting out into nature a lot. I actually went to Table Rock with some friends this past weekend. It was completely foggy. We hiked all the way to the top and got zero, like no view whatsoever, which was kind of a bummer. Um, but it was just honestly lovely to be out in the middle of the fall um, and away from campus. I think sometimes campus can feel like a little bit of a bubble. And so even, you know, driving to the Riverwalk and taking a walk is um, something that can be very, very helpful and can increase, you know, that groundedness and that resiliency in a time when, it feels like we can't shape that stress.
0: And I know for all of your initiatives and everything in order to engage students, you've had to do a lot of collaborations. So collaborations among student organizations, and even among departments and offices. And so are there any offices that you would like to specifically shout out as far as um, being able to collaborate them during this time, any initiatives that they're planning for future, or even um, just giving a shout out of thanks of I'm really enjoying to collaborate with them over the past semester.
3: I'll shout out one from a staff and faculty level that I I think was a lot more behind the scenes than people know about, but right around election time when we were anticipating results Um, a lot of departments and units across the university came together to kind of band behind students and say, how can we support them regardless of their affiliation and how can we provide some resources? What's the main focus we want here? We kind of all leaned on resiliency as the primary thing we wanted them to focus on through this time. And I think a lot of that came from, like you all have mentioned, the compassion fatigue. We have seen at like much higher rates. We see it every semester with our really engaged students and student leaders like yourselves, but in general, like Hannah was saying, our baseline is just not great right now. So when you add on like the wait, change of the weather and election results that we're still possibly waiting for and all this different stress on top of that, we really kind of pulled out resiliency and mental health as an area that we wanted to support students and highlight that. And so that was an informal committee, so to speak, from Student Health Services, some people in housing. Uh, Office of Multicultural Student Affairs, Student Government, Leadership and Service Center, and I'm sure I'm missing a couple, but it was really nice to see faculty and staff just kind of band together from all across the university and be like, how holistically can we start? Can we support students through this process? And so I really wanted to highlight and kind of thank everyone who is a part of that. Um, There are still some resources that are up. We released a whole list of how to be resilient during this time. That's on the Leadership and Service Center website. And a lot of what Emily and Nancy have kind of plugged so far from like the BuzzFeed quiz to all the LSE programs, all of that is on there as well. So that's kind of a good go-to if you would like to see anything that we've talked about so far today. So I have one shout out. It is not something that
2: Cleet has, or an organization that Cleet has collaborated with, but I must say I have to rep Cog Pantry. This week is um, National Hunger and Homelessness Awareness Week. And so we're doing a lot of programming to educate people about what food insecurity looks like, specifically on a college campus, specifically within Columbia. Um, We're actually doing one of those BuzzFeed quizzes. I spent an inordinate amount of time making it this weekend. So that will be up on our social media for SWAG at the end of the week. So definitely participate, share that on your social media, and follow Gamecock Pantry. Um, But yeah, it's just you know, if we think about our own baselines and, and where we are right now, to think about people who are facing food insecurity, who are facing, you know, housing insecurity on top of everything, um, it's just really important to, to be aware and to tie that back into the ways that you engage in your community. So engage with hunger and homelessness awareness week this week, you
0: guys. Best believe I'm going to take that quiz, you know, and I'm, I'm going to send you guys like the competition text throughout. And so um, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to end up on top, but you know, um, I'll make sure that you guys get those results. But if, I don't doubt it, Hannah. <laughs> if you guys have not realized to this point, um, there's no other way to—I mean, CLE is the way to go. Like, you want to be a part of the Civic Leadership Education Action Team. And so, to my fellow friends and guests that are on this podcast, how can students get involved and even become a part of the CLE team? Yeah, I can go. So we're looking for
1: students, obviously, who are passionate about civic engagement like we are and interested in getting involved in a nonpartisan way. Carly can probably share more information specifically about our interest form and the process, but I just want to share it to everyone out there listening for whoever's interested in getting involved in Cleet. It is by far one of my favorite things that I've done during my time at USC, and I'm a senior now, so that means a lot because I'm old. Um, and it's a really great group of people, so I can't recommend it enough as a way to make a difference on campus.
2: Yeah. And I also do want to shout out just before Carly like goes through the official process. Um, Cleat is a very non-hierarchical organization, right? Like we're on this podcast, we're talking to you, Hannah, right now, and we're thrilled to be here. But when we're in a meeting, we don't have like leaders who say like, this is what we're going to do. And everybody else follows it. Everybody's ideas are are valid and, you know, listened to and considered. And you can really take an idea and run with it. That's, that's a lot of the beauty of Cleet. And so for anybody who's interested in getting involved, like this is not something that you have to wait three years before you can really shape the organization and shape the direction the organization goes in. Um, and so I would highly recommend that, that people go ahead and get involved. And because there's just so much possibility for impact through this organization. And Emily said also, like, I'm old. Also, I'm also a senior, which is scary and not something that I really want to think about. But Absolutely one of my favorite things that I have done on campus. It's been a joy. So
3: yes. And since they're both old, I need some younger folks to come join us because they're all about to leave. We have a few younger ones right now, but we definitely need some more people to step in and learn from these two and our other seniors as they head out this spring semester. But very easy. I'm not even gonna call it an application because we pretty much accept everyone who's interested in participating. But on Google U of SC Civic Engagement, you'll get to the Leadership and Service Center page and on there. Is our interest form that's linked there you fill it out. It's like six questions. I want to say, Um, and then, yeah, you get in contact with us. There's also my contact information on there. So if you're interested in hearing more about it from a firsthand perspective, I can either talk to you or connect you to one of our current students who are involved, but very easy process um, opens a lot of doors like our students have networked with some Awesome speakers, both at U of SC and in the larger public service context. So it has some personal benefit as well. So we definitely love to see some new faces around and help us with our programming.
0: Perfect. So with that, um, I would just like to say thank you guys so so much for collaborating with student government being a part of this conversation. I hope that you guys had just as much fun as I did. And for those that are listening, I hope that you guys enjoyed this conversation and even learned something or took something away from it. Overall, I hope that you guys just remember to remain resilient, not even just at the time during this pandemic, um, post-election, but even just to finish out this semester. So I know even after um, we end this episode, I'm going to be doing an essay. And so just remain resilient. We're almost there a few more weeks and then you have your holidays and then we'll be back ready to go um for the second semester and for the singers that are on the call um home stretch and so i uh, hope you guys have a great rest of your night thank you all who are tuning in live and to those who are listening via the podcast mainstream stay tuned for the next episode so with that thank you guys